Things are better. The world is better. Just because there's not a war doesn't mean there's peace. He's coming. Some call him Apocalypse. He was some kind of god. For thousands of years, he's been amassing mutants to take their powers. He always had four followers. Like the four horsemen. Eric, don't join them. Whatever it is you think you saw in me, I buried it with my family. Together, we will cleanse the earth. Everything they've built will fall! And from the ashes of their world, we'll build a better one! I've never felt power like this before. They took him. Raven, the world needs the X-Men. I'm not a hero. Students look up to you. If I'm going to teach your kids something, I'm going to teach them how to fight. Follow me. To her. I'm not afraid of him. Magneto, he's my father. What? Him and my mom, they did. No, I know. Not all of us can control our powers. Then don't. Apocalypse means to destroy this world. It's all of us against a god and the most powerful beings on Earth. Forget everything you think you know. None of that matters. You're not students anymore. I'll take everything from them. You're X-Men. Well, you've been busy. We had a little help. So, is everybody ready? See. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special roundtable edition of Back to the Bins, where we will be reviewing and tearing apart the new movie, X-Men Apocalypse, which opened May 27th, so we're getting it kind of fresh for Back to the Bins. This is the ninth film in the X-Men franchise, if you count Deadpool. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. X-Men Apocalypse? Oh, son of a bitch. I watched Apocalypse now. Man. (laughs) Good choice. Regular or redo? Uh, both. Man. Right. Oh. You know what? You just throw in your comments every once in a while. Okay. So, I'm Paul Spataro. I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Movieless Bill. Yeah, that's me. We are joined by our usual movie critic buddy, Mr. Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Hey, everybody. 
Chris Franklin is returning to the show with us today from the Fire and Water Network. Hello. And we also have making his first appearance on Back to the Bins, Ryan Daly, also of Fire and Water. Boy, howdy. And Mr. Scott Gardner is back with us as per usual. Hello. And this is at the point in the credits where we would say, and introducing Logan Gardner. What's up? Good to have you on board, everybody. So we're here to review the movie. I, we, we've kind of talked about it a little before we got on the air, and we have some differing opinions on it. And we're going to do our usual roundtable format and give everybody a couple of minutes just to give their basic thoughts before we, uh, before we start tearing each other apart. So we're going to kind of go in almost the same order we just went in, and we'll start with Mr. Chris Tyler. All right. So X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, I've been a fan of this franchise overall. Uh, I even find a lot of stuff to like in the ones that most people don't like. Uh, that that means you, X-Men 3. Uh, this one, though, I'm going to say it. This is only the third movie in my life where I've fallen asleep watching a movie in the theater. Um, yeah, that's how much it didn't hold my attention. I was waking up at random parts. It's like, oh, something's happening. Did anything happen in this? I missed a lot of it. I won't lie. Uh, um, I just, I, I, I have a lot of stuff to say. I was less than whelmed by this one. Uh, I think it's time for Brian Singer to go next. Okay, that was short to the point, and I guess accurate. Like, have that. you have you checked your blood sugar lately? Maybe you uh, <laughs> maybe get a little diabetes there, you know? Little Mountain Dew might have woken him up. I, I put, no, no, no. no I, I had a root beer. Makes you sleepy. Makes you sleepy. Too much sugar. Put you out. Just, just eat, saying. Eat your damn oatmeal. Join <laughs> me. Join me. No. No. Never. All right, let's let's shift over to our next guest, Mr. Chris Franklin. Uh, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot out of it um, because I, I just uh, I've enjoyed. I'm kind of like uh, Chris, the other Chris. Uh, I've enjoyed things about all the movies. There's been aspects of them I liked, even X3, even the two Wolverine movies. Um, so, you know, as long as I'm entertained, I'm usually pretty good with the X-Men movies. Uh, it probably helped that I saw this one pretty cheap at the local theater. They happened to get it opening weekend and you know we had a good time watching it so i mean there were things about it that uh you know that I've, I've got some things and i really want to nitpick about it but overall i enjoyed it so all right fair enough next we're going to go to our our newest member mr logan gardner i myself quite enjoyed the movie i didn't didn't put me to sleep I really enjoyed all the new characters that they brought into it and just the the timeline that it took place in or the setting that it took place in. Had, hadn't you told me that uh, of the three that this this is the one that you like the best? Yes, this is my favorite out of the new X-Men 3. Okay. All right, so that, you... that's, that speaks a lot for it. What, what would you say was like the biggest thing that you really liked about it? I just loved all the new characters that they added into it. And then I than all the characters that were in there before that they brought back. So you like like Psylocke and... Uh, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think who... <laughs> who didn't like Psylocke? Come on. <laughs> Me! He's 16, so yes, of course. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think who else was new in this one. So we had Psylocke, we had... Angel, Angel. Nightcrawler. Right, yeah. You had a new Jean Grey, you had a new Cyclops. Right. Yeah, I will be talking about them specifically. But what else do you want to say about it? 
That's it for now? Okay. Okay, let's uh, go over to Ryan now for his take on it. I have seen good X-Men movies. I have seen bad X-Men movies. This was the first boring X-Men movie, I thought. Um, yeah. Like the Yeah, like Chris said, I, I, I wanted to get up and leave just because I wasn't having any fun during it. Um, I thought the pacing was really bad. There were things in the first, like, half hour, the first act that I was really enjoying. But once, and we'll get into details later, I'm sure, once Apocalypse kind of recruited his crew, I lost interest hard and fast. Um, and for context, I did not like X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, that movie, I think, had one of the all-time greatest teaser trailers for any movie ever but I was let down by the movie. And this one reinforced a lot of what I didn't like about that one, which is forgetting Deadpool for a second, we've we've had eight X-Men movies and we've really only ever developed four characters, Wolverine, Magneto, Mystique, and Xavier. The last two movies have been jam packed with other X-Men characters, but they're not people. They're just power sets and doesn't entertain me as much as I wish it did. So, yeah, overall, it, it wasn't the worst comic book movie I've seen this year, but it was boring and, I think, forgettable. Alright, fair enough. Scott, you're up. Oh, wow, where to, uh, where to start with this one? Um, I'm going to try to keep my comments short and sweet. This one puts me in a really weird place that I'm not usually in. I, I know a lot of you guys... Um, uh, Paul, in particular, have been in this place before where, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of right there smack in the middle. And that's not usually me. I usually have very strong opinions one way or the other. Um, but I, I think, and I can't remember who said this, but it's kind of the sign of the times for for us as, as you know, geek film fans where everything's got to be the greatest ever or the worst ever and you're almost not allowed to be right there in the middle so it, it's this one's put me in a weird spot because um i thoroughly enjoyed myself in the theater watching the film but it didn't change my life you know it, it wasn't i'll be frank i didn't think it was as good as the last two but that's not to say i didn't like it and it's funny because you know logan himself you know, when we walked out of the theater and he's asking me what I thought of it. And I said, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I just, you know, I'm not maybe not as much as the last two. Immediately, the question was, well, why didn't you like it? It's like, well, I just said that I did like it. So it, it's weird. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to try to really focus my thoughts to, you know, for both the pros and cons column and, and try to give it equal justice. Because like I say, while I was watching it, I, I really enjoyed it. I will say, though, you know, to address the thing about it being boring, I wasn't bored watching it, but while I was watching it, I was consciously thinking to myself, man, this scene's really going to drag in the rewatches because, you know, certain particular scenes, because I'm always thinking about that, you know, when, when the movie comes out on Blu-ray and, you know, I've got it at the house, you know, how is it going to play in subsequent viewings? And there were a number of scenes where I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want to sit through the scene too many times again. So there, there was that. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I, I still enjoyed myself. I, I do have many more quibbles with this one than I had with either of the prior two, though. And, and that did knock it down some notches, uh, in my opinion. 
I don't know so much about Brian Singer for it being time for him to go, but I find myself, now that we are two films past First Class, I I always feel bad I cannot remember the name of the guy who directed First Class, but Matthew whoever Vaughan. that was. Who is it? Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, I, I wish he'd come back. Because <laughs> there's, uh, there's something of what he did with First Class that both this one and days were both missing and it was a lot more um noticeable in this one so uh there is that but um i don't know when we get in more of the just the open discussion i'll, I'll give more you know both ways pros and cons but yeah i mean right, right smack in the middle I, I i dug it but it wasn't my favorite it's, it's funny having having listened to everybody else's take on it and now i'm going to give mine and uh I heard positives, I heard negatives, and I don't agree. I don't disagree with anybody. Uh, in particular, Ryan, I think I agree very, very much with your take that pacing was a big issue in this one, and and I think that falls fl- right right on Brian Singer. And I came into this as not particularly a Brian Singer fan, although I do like some of his movies. Uh, this one didn't do anything to make that better for me. I can generally look at movies and immerse myself in them while I'm in the theater. And I try not to be overly critical as I'm viewing them. And I have varying degrees of success in doing that. In this movie in particular, I would say I enjoyed it very much from that perspective as I watched it. With virtually every movie afterwards, when I start turning my brain back on and thinking about it, it either starts adding points or losing points. And I do think on some levels this one does lose points. I think from a continuity point of view with the other movies and with from a looking at the source material point of view, I think this movie does fail. However, as purely an action movie, if I wasn't particularly vested in these characters, uh, it was an enjoyable movie experience. And uh, I... I pretty much would give it a middle-of-the-road thumbs-up uh, overall. But now I think we can get a little bit more into some of the details of it. So, I mean, oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, everybody. Dr. Bill, what was your take? Well, my take is based solely on... Um, I, I think I'm actually going to have a little something to say here, even though I did not see the movie. Because, like I said, I used Ben as my barometer to go see it i you know it's like ben do you want to see this he's like eh. i said okay we don't have to go see it i'll save myself some cash but when days of future past came around i was really jazzed when i saw the teaser and, and when i saw the trailer and when i saw the movie yeah <laughs> not so much now since then i've got the rogue cut and i've watched part of that and it kind of fills some things in and i i, I like it a little better now so it's grown a little on me. So the fact that when I saw the teaser for Apocalypse, I was just, I didn't, I was not jazzed for it. So I was really actually glad that Ben was like, no, I don't, I don't really want to see it either. I'm like, oh, okay, good. Because, but I'm maybe, and it sounds like I might have made the right call. I, you know, I'll just, I'll probably pick it up on, on uh, Blu-ray when it comes out and watch it in the comfort of my home. And if I fall asleep, I can, I can rewind it. I don't, I don't have to miss any of it like Hero did. Well, from from a you know from my perspective, if you were asking me about what to do, I don't think this is a oh you must see this in the theater type movie. Uh, so I mean, some of the special effects are 
you know, pretty much going to be lost on, on the small screen. But I don't know that they are so dramatic or so groundbreaking that you're going to feel like you really missed out on anything anyway. Uh, and, Did you and... see Twister? Did you see a big tornado of particles? That's the only thing you'll be missing. Yeah, I, I have heard people talking about the 3D effects in this movie, how somehow that they are superior, but I can honestly say I didn't, and I did see it in 3D because that's the showing I had. It's almost hard not to see things in 3D now, despite the fact that I don't care for 3D. Uh, but I didn't see anything about it personally where I thought, oh yeah, that's an effect that became so much better because it was in 3D. I can't think of anything that I remember seeing that would have benefited from 3D in this. Olivia... Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> Olivia Moon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. Does she look like she stepped off the page? Yes. Did she do anything? She, did, she do, did, did, did she even have lines? I don't even remember her speaking. She did, I might she have been asleep for it early on, and that was it. She was there purely for the visual. Which, yeah, that's fine. And you know what? They did the same damn thing with Storm too, which annoyed me to no end you finally gave me mohawk storm you alluded to her original origin in the comic she says about three things and then she does nothing the four horsemen did nothing they stood around in the desert for seemed like for three hours oh so frustrating storm did keep her accent though i'll give her that thankfully yeah i I thought she i thought she was a better storm than halle berry she was but they didn't give her anything to do (laughs) that is true it's low-hanging fruit but hey she took it (laughs) But no, I, I actually liked her a lot in this because when I first saw pictures of her and she's got the stupid mohawk, that uh, that I thought was might even actually be a, a deal breaker for me. I'm like, please tell me they're not going for that incarnation of the X-Men. But that's basically as far as they went with her and, and that particular iteration of Storm. Everything else was kind of classic Storm right from you know when they actually brought in the new x-men so i liked that i you know she had the accent she kind of had the origin and all that i I liked her and i don't know i have to argue i think we got just enough you know just enough of her because she wasn't the focus and i didn't want her to be i like the character but she's been you know the character has been in several of the movies now and i i just i didn't need any more than we got Yeah, I, I I didn't think that the movie hurt for not giving everybody a story arc. I think if they tried to do that, it would have been paced even worse than it was. And I and again, I think the pacing was one of the problems with this movie. It would go from high action to nothing, back to high action again, uh, and and there was it didn't feel organic. It didn't feel like the things needed to be done, and it's probably what put Chris to sleep. It just it felt. After that initial scene in in ancient Egypt, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I'm digging this. This is a real hard PG-13 they're going for here. And then it just it felt like the film ground to a halt after that for me. Yeah, I loved the opener myself. The whole uh, Egyptian thing I thought was very well done. I, I really liked that. I don't know. You know, I, I'm torn by what you guys were saying about. You know that people can can wait for this one to come out on Blu-ray because after the viewing, I, I kind of had that thought myself. Like, you know, did we actually need to go to the, to the movies for this one? But the thing is, is that even if you know you didn't 
love it, uh, I, you know, I think it is important for us to go out and support the films that are that are trying to give us what we want as fans. And I, I think in a lot of ways, this one, much like the, the two that preceded it, were really trying because, uh, again, you know, they were trying to present some some new characters, you know, some fan favorite mutants and that sort of thing. Um, I don't think they were quite as successful in this attempt as they had been in the, the previous two films. But again, they, they are trying. So, you know, they know their audience and they know the types of things that we want to see. And they're trying to, to present those things. And, you know, it, so in that aspect, I, I'd hate for people to start adopting an attitude of, eh, I'll just wait, because then, you know, if it doesn't do well, then it won't get the big budget the next time around and then they start making cuts and then we start to lose the things that we go to these movies for. I, I don't know. Does that make sense? I, I get what you're saying, but to be honest with you, I have to disagree because I kind of felt much like Zack Snyder with Batman v Superman. Uh, I feel that like Brian Singer doesn't really respect his audience and I don't think he really respects his uh, source material. I think he's got his own agenda that he's trying to fill and Sometimes that, you know, if you do a Venn diagram, sometimes it overlaps with what I want to see. <laughs> but but sometimes it's just his kind of message and his movie the way he wants it to be. I don't I don't really feel like he does respect the source material. Um, I thought Matthew Vaughn did much, much more than he did. Uh, did so I, I didn't really see it that way. Uh, you know, I get what you're saying and it. And, I'm all for, you know, as long as you liked it. And I did like the movie. It's not that I didn't like it. But I can't sit here and say, oh, this is this is what I want them to do with my comic book movies. So I, I don't feel strongly that this is the one you need to support. Now, Civil War, I felt like that one, if that didn't make big bucks, I would have been very upset. Right. Because that is the kind of movie I want to see them make. And I want them to see that they're going to get a ton of money from making movies like that. You know, this one, you, I wouldn't if, mind if they shored this up a little bit. I, I would have, I, I see both of the last two, Days of Future Past and this one, and I think if, much like you had said earlier, if Matthew Vaughn had directed them, I think they would have both been far superior to what they were. Let me ask you, this thought that definitely occurred to me walking out of this movie was, am I starting to get spoiled? because of all the epic things that we've seen now with, you know, the 13 fantastic uh, MCU movies and everything, and, you know, First Class and Days of Future Past and some of these other films that we've seen recently, as comic book geeks, are we just getting spoiled? And, you know, could this movie have truly wowed us, say, five years ago, for example, or actually if this had, if this had come before Civil War, because there's one scene in particular in this. I, I guess we're not avoiding spoilers, right? Uh, no, these, these are spoiler-free shows. Spo so, uh, Spoiler-laden shows, excuse me. What? So, I haven't seen it! Oh, just kidding. I, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I, I don't think I'm giving too much away because I think this is in one of the trailers. But when uh, Apocalypse uh, grows to giant size, you know, that... I mean, the, the special effects were impressive. It was awesome. It was really cool. But we'd just been there, done that last month, you know? And so it wasn't 
as cool as it could have been because we just saw that. And so there's, I, I don't know. I guess my question is, did anybody else feel that way? Is it a legit thing or, you know, truly the movie, you know, it, it standing on its own merits just, you know, is where it is for us. I think I, I do kind of agree that we are spoiled to a thing. And I've, I've talked about this before that with the amount of comic book movies that we're getting every year, like we're getting like five or six every year now. Uh, and the amount of comic book television shows that you can find on any given channel, like for the first time, maybe ever, we can be choosy. We don't have to, you know, take whatever we're given. And I might not have seen this movie opening weekend if I wasn't planning to do this podcast about it. I probably would have said, you know, I'll wait a couple weeks because it didn't, I, I didn't have a burning desire to see it. So I think to some extent we are spoiled with the content that we're getting based on how much is really, really good, both on the big and small screen. And some of it is just the sheer volume of it. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think if we'd gotten this instead of, I know everybody beats up on X3, but I think if we'd gotten this instead of X3, people would have lost their minds over it. Uh, so, you know, and of course it wouldn't have existed without First Class and everything, but this type of film instead of X3, because apparently some ideas that Singer had for X, his X3 are in this film. So... I do, I do think we are. I agree that, yeah, we're all getting spoiled and we can be choosy. And in fact, the one X-Men movie I didn't see in theater and I want to kick myself in the head for it was First Class. And it just happened that I just didn't get to the theater uh, to see it because I think there was a ton of other movies out that year. I think that, was that 2011? Was that when Cap and... First Avenger, Thor and Green Lantern and Green Captain Lantern. America yeah. came out that summer? Yeah, that yeah. was a busy summer. Yep, and I and I skipped uh, first class when I should have skipped Green Lantern, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw but, them back to back the same night. Oh, oh really? Good Lord, <laughs> which one did you see last? <laughs> uh, I saw Green Lantern because uh, X Men had been out for like three weeks at that point. Yeah, okay. And so I was like, yeah, I'll see that, but I re because it was like before the midnight show of Green Lantern, that was the one I was excited to see, and uh, that drive home was very different than I expected it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think it's the appropriate time for me to rant a little bit because uh, I'm a little offended, quite frankly, by Brian Singer's attitude towards this franchise. He walked away. He did the first two movies. They wanted him to do The Last Stand. He walked away to do Superman Returns instead. And he's been shitting on Superman, uh, super, excuse me, shitting on The Last Stand ever since. And I, I think it's classless of him to be criticizing another director for what that guy did with the project that he walked away from by choice. It's not like he was fired from it and this guy took over. It's not like it was a, a network or studio, uh, you know, interference kind of thing. He chose to walk away. To the point, and, and he's he's gotten so bad. I've seen him in interviews putting down that movie and talking about how he was going to rectify it all. And, and then even in uh, this movie, he's got the scene in there where they come out of uh, Return of the Jedi and they, they say, well, we could all agree the third movie in every franchise is bad. What do you think the message was there? I, I think yeah. it's classless. I, I, I can't believe I'm going to defend Brian Singer here, but he said he, he told Fox that he would do X-Men 3, and they said, nope, we got to have it for this time frame. And they, would, they, didn't, they weren't going to wait for Singer to finish Superman before they well, went And why should they wait for him to finish Superman? 
but the studio and the fans also begged him to come back after X-Men 3. So if he's got an ego about it, if he feels entitled, we kind of created that monster. It's still, you know what? I'll, I'll even accept what you guys are saying. Then do it with class and don't don't shit on another director. That ain't right. I'm well, that jab about that jab about the third one sucking. I was like, well, <laughs> while I was watching the movie, I'm like, is he commenting about this movie? Because well, this, this is, is the, the third kind the of second thing. trilogy. That's the funny thing. I'm sorry not to cut anybody off, but I, I just wanted to say, in, in watching that scene in the theater, that's the thing for me is that it was still fairly early enough in the movie where I was like, man, you better hope you got your shit together if you're going to say something like that. And then, you know, to walk away, you know, with, with the opinion of the movie I had, I was like, you know, you, you might have been better off leaving that statement out of there. Because, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with Paul. I think that was kind of a classless dig, not only at first class, but, you know, a lot of other franchises, you know, in, in geek movies that people want to point to and, and say, oh, the third one sucks. Well, you know, I don't I just don't have that opinion. There's a lot of the third movie installments of these different franchises that everybody you know wants to point to and say they're the weak ones uh you know there's a lot of exceptions there for me i like spider-man 3 i'll defend superman 3 so you know yeah i i think that that was better left unsaid plus you know as somebody that was there you know for return of the jedi uh, coming you know out of the theater and everything that struck me as a little unrealistic that you know maybe given some time that opinion forms but i remember people walking out of return of the jedi and their reactions were oh my god you know so that seemed a little unrealistic to me nobody of that group seemed totally blown away by what they had just seen uh, which I'm going to call BS on. Because do you think Nightcrawler, while he was traveling in the circus during the 70s and 80s, even got a chance to see the first two? His mind was probably blown. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So as much as I, I think they generally have gotten a, a really good handle on the feel of the different eras these three films have taken place in, that's one that kind of jumped out, out to me like, that was kind of a fail. Because it just didn't it didn't convince me. It didn't feel realistic to me, that particular scene. I know what they were going for, but I just think they failed. Speaking of errors and fail, uh, man, these people really have aged well in 20 years since 1960. Oh, God, that drove me up the wall. (laughs) That was was what I was talking about with the continuity. It's it's really, he gave no thought at all to it. (laughs) Even the guy that hasn't seen, that was one thing that bugged me when I, okay, for the guy that hasn't seen the movie, when I watched the trailer, I'm going, how is Moira so young and Charles still so young and Fassbender and if this is the 80, it just doesn't add up. I mean, Magneto should be, if he was, uh, he would be 40. Well, yeah, no, he would be, he'd be about he 50. Would, he'd be 50. 50. Yeah. He'd be as old as Paul. Oh my God. Holy. He'd be as old as Aunt May. And Hottie. <laughs> and Hottie. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I was a little, uh, just a little, t- well, a little the, thrown the, the, off by that. Well, right, just, even... just so you guys, you know, just to throw it in there, you know, Anne Hottie and I grew up about five blocks from each other. And she's, I think, two years younger than me. I've never met her, but, but that's all true otherwise. If they didn't make a point of being so specific with the fact that it was, it's been ten years exactly since Magneto stormed the White House, you might have had a little wiggle room. But I the always fact that they called attention when they, to... when they try and give you an exact time period. 
And I, yeah. other than the Michael Jackson jacket, I didn't think this was such a period piece that they needed to do that. It wasn't. Yeah, I didn't get any 80s vibe from it at all. Other than the uh, playing the Eurythmics. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't know about that. I mean, you had the Eurythmics thing, but also through the whole movie, something kept making me crazy with Jean Grey. And I, I just kept looking at her and going, okay, you know, there's something beyond the ginormous cranium that I'm just not <laughs> digging about this chick. And it, I noticed that too. <laughs> it finally hit me that she looks a hell of a lot like she's being played by boy George. So I <laughs> can't help but feel that that there is definitely some some eighty because her whole hairstyle. I really noticed it in the scene where they go to see Moira. Um, Moira was definitely sporting eighties apparel. I mean, she had the shoulder pads. Um, women. Uh, dressed in that almost like wraparound tunic type of thing that she had that was, you know, was very open in the front and kind of, you know what I mean? Kind of loose fitting in the front. I, I'm, you know, that was a very 80s style. So yeah, she, she was dressed 80s. I agree. Yeah, well, she captured it very well. Certain elements of it were captured very well, but I will definitely agree that this one, I don't think captured near as well the 60s or 70s of the of the prior films I think, I think it's been a, a downward scale because i think first class really caught the 60s i think days of future past kind of caught the 70s and this one just gave a little lip service to the 80s oh come I'll on even that. in the trailer professor x looks like don johnson in a wheelchair <laughs> with with the pastel shirt and the jacket, come on. No, I, I'm not saying there was none of it, but I think each of the three has had a little bit less of that period piece feel to it. I don't. How was Sophie Turner as Jean Grey? I don't. I mean, she. I didn't think she was special at all. I, did, I thought she was a little wooden. Just like on Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. And just, I, I feel kind of bad because because I did enjoy this movie, and I'm just giving all the negatives here. So I want to try and give a couple of positives. Uh, you know, things that I did enjoy. I thought uh, I thought the introduction to Nightcrawler was good. I thought he was a good new, uh, new in quotations character since he was already in X2. Uh, but I thought he was better portrayed in this than he was in that. He, he was given a little bit of depth. I thought he just, you know, he, he brought something to the movie. I also thought Quicksilver was great for comic relief again. That the uh, especially I got a big kick out of, and again spoilers when uh, when they were talking about how Mystique uh, inspired them, and that he says, yeah, you know, me too. Well, not really. I do still live in my mom's basement. <laughs> I thought that was a great line. Yeah, but the the problem with Quicksilver was the one narrative act that that should have had Magneto's family dying. And him knowing that he's Magneto's son and not telling him at the end was a colossal waste. Yes. That, that did feel unfulfilling. I agree. They should have gotten that. But his... Especially, well, it was it was also the one thing that was supposed to turn Magneto back to the good side. Like, that was Quicksilver's one purpose for being there in the final confrontation. And he didn't do it, and yet Magneto turned for other reasons, I guess? <laughs> Well, he turned apparently for Mystique. Sure. That's. I mean, that's that's what I give you there. Uh, you know, we talk about the damage in uh, Man of Steel. That that was nothing compared to what we had here. I mean, Magneto, 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 was up destroying the world for I don't know how long. Who knows how many 
thousands and thousands of people were killed. But you know what? He he rebuilt the mansion, so we'll forgive him. <laughs> I will say that. I love the fact that the mansion got destroyed. That mansion is in, like, every superhero franchise. It's the mansion for any mansion. Mm-hmm. It's it's the Queen's Mansion and on, on Arrow. It's the X-Mansion. It's the... The Wayne Mansion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, as as a positive viewer on here, I'm gonna ask uh, Chris and Logan to to join in and give me things that you liked about it. Not all. Oh. <laughs> I didn't want to stomp on anybody. Uh, you know, despite my little little, little nitpicks and things, I, I did like. Uh, you know, I I, I like Nightcrawler. I liked. Uh, I liked the uh, the kid playing Cyclops. I thought he was pretty good. You know, and and I liked what they did with him and. And I kind of, I, I like the fact that they brought Havoc back in and gave him more to do than they did in, in Days of Future Past. I'd almost honestly forgotten that he was in Days of Future Past. I had to stop and remember, oh yeah, he was in that one scene in Vietnam. But um, So I, I thought it was, I liked how they established that Scott kind of got his game together when uh, after Alex died, and that's kind of how we got the Scott that we we saw in the other films that was all business and um, you know, he, he had to step up, uh, I, I like that. And, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the feeling that the team kind of formed there and it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of odd because, you know, the, they had the X-Men in first class and then they kind of didn't in, in the seventies era of days of future past. And then they come along again in this one, but you do get the idea that this is where the X-Men that we saw in the first films, uh, begin, you know, and and of course the whole mystique part's totally different. And I've got my own problems with. Well, we have Jennifer Lawrence, so of course she's the most important X Men now. Uh, but you know, other than that, I I kind of like the whole new team dynamic and where they took off from that. All right, uh, I'm gonna bring up a topic that I feel like it's the elephant in the room that we haven't gotten Logan, to yet. Logan had a couple of. Uh... Okay, I was gonna I was gonna actually throw it to Logan and go go go. You know on it. Uh, Logan, what what did you think about the Wolverine scene? The Wolverine scene, I was absolutely loving it in the theaters. Best part of the movie. Just once they finally reveal his face and the, and I don't know exactly what to call it. I guess Weapon the X, the Weapon X outfit that he had, I was just loving it. Finally, they gave him that Weapon X outfit. Instead of him just being naked or whatever else. There's nothing wrong with that, though, either. He's uh, I could do without naked, personally. <laughs> yeah, I could use without a butt shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, I did. I thought it was cool the way they had him, you know, all feral and everything. They That one, I have to say, I think they fixed what they did in X-Men Origins. The stupid, let me shoot him in the head and he'll lose his memories thing. Right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I thought this this was far superior to that, and I wish they had not spoiled it in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, that that, that I was kind of like it was another one of those. It was like the Ant Man, the Giant Man Lego set. I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah, you know, why would you yeah, spoil well, that ahead of time? But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the stage on Logan for a little while or the microphone on Logan. What what other positives did you have? Um, I mean, all the new characters that they brought in again just they're they brought in all my favorite characters well maybe not my favorite but a lot of the characters that i've always liked like cyclops and of course wolverine and with wolverine 
I'm very glad they didn't keep him in there very long. Yeah, I really like him, but it's getting to that point where just don't make him a major character again. Like, he doesn't have to be the center stage character. Yeah, I, I agree. He has his own franchise of Wolverine movies. You don't need to make him the center of the X-Men movies as well. Right. What else? I mean, uh, Apocalypse, of course. Just after after playing um, X-Men Legends 2, which was completely centered around Apocalypse, that's really cool, just after playing that game. Right, that's that's a good point. How, how did you think he came... Because I've never played that game. I remember seeing the box. But how do you think he came off portrayed in the movie as compared to the way he is on that game? I thought he was pretty similar. However, in the movie version of Apocalypse, I do have one nitpick, is that he does kind of seem to have the same villain ideas as, um, as Ultron did. Where it's just destroy the world and whoever's strong will make it. That was exactly Sebastian Shaw's plan in First Class, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like, oh, okay. Well, instead of launching the rockets, he's just going to get rid of them and use Magneto to destroy the world. Okay, same plot. Right. <laughs> Actually, true. the one, the one of the few things that I liked about the movie was what ultimately felt like Apocalypse's secondary plan, which was I liked that he was trying to steal Xavier's telepathy. Like, I don't think that has ever been a factor in the comics or any of the other media about Apocalypse. But maybe just because that was new, I was like, you know what, that's kind of cool. And it's kind of, it's it's just, it's interesting because it's different. But at the same time, once he gets that power, why does he need to destroy the whole world? And like that double jeopardy thing, I, I wasn't crazy about, but... His, his motivations weren't clear. They should have hammered home the point more that he wanted to evolve everybody that was left and I I think they only gave it lip service so it was kind of frustrating there especially after he made the whole show about destroying all of the nuclear weapons on earth which I think they could have made that a little bit clear that he saw those like the the concept of superpowers with the US and Russia at the time as false idols and that he didn't want people worshipping or fearing nuclear energy, that he wanted them fearing or worshipping him only. So I got that that's why he was destroying it, but I thought you could have used that if ultimately your goal is to wipe out 80% of the population. So. Yeah, I, I thought his plan was a little not so well thought out, and I also thought the movie didn't do a very good job of kind of defining his power set. He was almost presented as kind of just all-powerful, except he didn't have telepathy. It's like, yeah. once I have that, then I'll have everything. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of paid, again, paid lip service to that by saying that he had, you know, placed himself in other mutants' bodies and absorbed their, their powers over time, which, you know, of course, we saw at the beginning when he took over uh, Poe Dameron's body. Uh, but, yeah, it... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I was just like, okay, what... And, and I was thinking from the comics, because I'm not a huge X-Men comic fan. Okay, okay what what are Apocalypse's powers? I, I know what he did. I know the whole Archangel thing and everything, but in, in the movie really didn't tell me either. So. Didn't he have... 
elasticity was one of his powers, like stretchy arms. Yeah, or something. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, he could morph his body, which they didn't do. And he looked really squat in this. He didn't look like he was tall enough. He was shorter than Magneto. I don't. That's such a superficial thing, but that bothered me a lot. He is centuries old. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... then he should have had a walker, and he should have kind of like limped. <laughs> I, I that's something I generally do take notice of, and. It does bother me sometimes when they have somebody who should be towering over people and they're not. And it's so easily corrected in, you know, where you have people stand, what camera angles you use, that type of thing. So that there's really no excuse for it. But in this particular one, that didn't that didn't bother me. Uh, like I said, I, I was a little a little bit waiting to see what the power set was, but. He did come off as threatening enough, you know, when he had the guy just melt into the wall. Thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was it was neat. Uh, the time when he does it to the guys in Magneto's steel mill, though, and they're just hey, don't like, stop me from filling these people. <laughs> oh, that brings me up to a, another nitpick. I guess I'm going to be Doctor No for this episode. Um, of it. The the f bomb that they drop in this was so forced. It was so forced. It worked in first class because oh, it was a gag. What the hell up? Are you kidding? Oh, I liked that. I, that it made no sense. It was forced, but it, it still... I mean, that was... I, I don't know. You, you, you tell me, Logan. Was, was that the only time I laughed out loud in the whole movie? I think it was. I think so. It was, it was funny, but at the same time, it did seem kind of forced. It worked when, when Xavier was throwing it back at... Wolverine in Days of Future Past. There was no context for it here. Other than, all right, we get that one F-bomb. Let's use it. You know where I laughed? I laughed with the dog eating the pizza. That yeah. made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> now, as funny as I think the the uh, Quicksilver scenes are, in order for him to do what he does in these movies, he actually runs faster than light. I'm all right with that. Yeah, I'm all right with it, too. I, I will say that while I liked this one, I it was a serious step down for me personally from the one in Days of Future Past. I think only because that came out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting that. And it was new, and it was exciting, and the effects were awesome and everything. And, I mean, I don't fault... Uh, that's actually one of the huge uh, things that's in my prose column is I thought the special effects in this movie were fantastic. So I really liked the Quicksilver scene, but I think it was just the fact of now I was waiting for it as opposed to being surprised by it. Um, I enjoyed it, but it, it just something was lost in the fact that it just wasn't... It didn't come out of nowhere. I was waiting for it. Well, have, having done a similar scene already, I'm not sure how they could have done it, but I think what you needed to do was do that scene as you did and then have something happen at the end of it to put a twist on it. Right. So that you're not just repeating the same thing you've already done. One of the... From, from a filmmaking standpoint, in the Days of Future Past sequence you follow his movements throughout that whole scene. In this, they had him running in from out of frame. It it was it was less engaging to me from a filmmaking standpoint because it just it didn't follow him the whole time. It was right. just vignettes, here I am, I'm doing something else. Well, from from a pacing point of view, I think 
they had him doing a lot. They had, I think they had him doing a lot more in this scene than they did in the Days of Future Past one. And I think if you had to follow him every step of the way, it probably would have added three minutes to the scene. And I don't know if the scene could have sustained that. Right. So you could either cut back on what he had to do or do what they did and, and just not have you see every step of the journey. Honestly, I thought it was already too long. I mean, I liked it when they were doing it. I, I liked the song. I thought it was kind of cool the way they were introducing him this way. But I thought it went on too long. I, I remember, like, at one point thinking, are we going to hear the entire song? Like, isn't this a four-minute song or something? So I, I, I liked it. I wish it could have been almost cut in half, that sequence. Right. And it... But, it oh, go ahead. Seeing that scene, like the behind the scenes making of it I looked it up on YouTube afterwards <laughs> just seeing the process of them making that is very very interesting to me. just all the slow motion cameras that they have to use and all the different special effects processes it's really interesting I would think if there's any one thing in this movie that you'd have like a little making of video of this that's the scene to do it with yeah Hero what were you going to say? Uh, it, that's such a scene that's a scene that has such high energy and some gags during it but then it's immediately followed up by the fact that it's like oh Havoc's dead it's just but, it like comes out of nowhere but he saved the pizza dog I well, waited the entire movie for Havoc to return and when he didn't I was I was a little annoyed by that because I honestly did not believe that, that he was dead because um, maybe I missed something, but do we see him vaporized? No, he's just no. near the explosion that he causes right. when he accidentally blows up Hank's jet. So I kept waiting for, like, you know, especially during the final battle scene, I kept waiting for him to suddenly pop. I kind of thought that maybe they'd end up taking out uh, Apocalypse with Havoc's power or something like that. I, you know, it's just one of those things where I just kept waiting for him to come back. But Singer's not going to do that because he wants to play with Cyclops now that he's got young Cyclops. Right. And he's got but, young Gene that he can do his version of the Phoenix Saga with now. It's like That, I, that just annoyed me because I, I really like his character. And one of the things that, that keeps putting my ass in the theater seat for these movies is that I love the, the team that was assembled in first class. That, that, that's just my favorite... Uh, iteration of the X-Men on screen so far and they felt like a family so to have so many of them that dropped off in Days of Future Past and now we're losing more of them as we keep going forward I'm just annoyed by that I, I really wish they hadn't done away with Havoc because I really like that character I still don't believe that he's dead I'm hoping not I'm really hoping not but what that said one thing I really did like was that uh there was a character that I felt was really redeemed in this one, which was Angel, because I like elements of what they did with him in X3, and I'm not an X3 hater. I actually enjoyed uh, Last Stand quite a bit. There's elements of it, and it, it's not my favorite, but I, I don't detest the movie like a lot of the fans do. Um, I really liked that they brought Angel into that movie, but then I felt like they just didn't really do anything with him. So this one, uh, I liked that they brought him in. Uh, I liked that you know he was an interesting character, and I liked that they made uh, Archangel out of him. 
the only thing with that, again, much like Havoc, is that I kept waiting for him to rise from the ashes toward the end of the movie, and again, I didn't see him come back, so is he dead? What the hell's going on with Angel now? I mean, did they bring him back just to kill him off? Because that's kind of dumb if they did. I really hope we see him again. My problem with Angel was, okay, in Days of Future Past, Wolverine stopped, well, Wolverine and, and Mystique stopped Magneto from killing the president. So because of the butterfly effect, now Warren Worthington was born like 20 years earlier than yeah. it was in the other movie. I know. I thought of that, too. But the problem is, is that, you know, and I can't believe I'm the guy that's going to say this, but there's a lot of shit like that that I just had to let go of with this movie. Because if you start doing that game, it, I think everything's going to fall apart. You know, In this movie in particular. Forward. Yeah, what? but especially this movie. But I think everything forward because... I think they are very much playing the the new Trek game with this, is that it's a whole new timeline and you just have to forget. Because there were several moments, and I had to keep reminding myself, oh yeah, that's right, the timeline's changed, where I kept going, wait a minute, how, how the hell does this match up with the original? Oh, that's right, it won't, you know? And there was I, I can accept a lot of that. This, Like I said, the, the problem I had with, with it is the same exact character was born 20 years earlier with the same mutation. It just... There's no logic you can apply to that that makes it makes it makes sense. You can accept that Cyclops ended up on a different journey and came to the mansion in a different way. That Wolverine got his claws in a different way because those things kind of were touched upon in the other movie, uh, and they would have been changed by what happened. Brings me to my my biggest problem with the movie. Go. Some moron during the post-production of Days of Future Past decided to have Stryker's eyes go all yellowy, mystique-y. Yes. And then it is never ever ever brought up again i was i was waiting for an explanation for that the whole movie it's like the one thing you teased was what was wolverine's journey with mystique after days of future past before he wakes up in the altered reset timeline at the end of days of future past i am so angry about that it's not even mentioned that of of all my nitpicks that was a huge one um right along with all right, so you're going to give the fans what they want, and you're going to reveal that in this movie universe that, yes, Quicksilver is the son of Magneto, but you won't do the same between Nightcrawler and and uh, Mystique? And that annoyed the hell out of me, because they shared Azazel. scenes and everything. So, yeah, and you had Azazel as well in the, in the prior movie. So why not just pull the damn trigger on that? Azazel was revealed... Dead in Days of Future Past, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, mean that they didn't get freaked deaky, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but you know what? He was he was revealed dead. I agree with you. But he, but that movie was only supposed to be ten years before this. Right. And Nightcrawler was supposed to be about maybe say seventeen. Right. So, Azazel could have uh, could have fathered him before he got killed. I tell you though, another one in the plus column. Um, I am not by any stretch of the imagination a Nightcrawler fan. However, and again, as much as I detest Michael Jackson, it was freaking genius to put him in a in a, the Michael in the thriller jacket. jacket. Yeah, the thriller jacket because that worked with his comic book color scheme, and I just thought, okay, that yeah. was cool. That that I actually found very amusing. That was cool. <laughs> then see that just brings up another nitpick to me. It's like <laughs> he had the scars on his face. At what point was he like five when he started scarring himself? Come on. How old is this kid? Maybe he was I, born with them. No, because remember in the original time, in Brian Singer's X-Men 2, 
he tells Storm explicitly that he did it to himself. Right. <sighs> well, unfortunately, though, they, they, you know, most people who scar themselves are angsty teenagers. Oh, don't don't ruin this for me, Paul. <laughs> Let me have this one. It's no Jaws. It's not Jaws. Another big one. I want to know what you guys think of this because this was actually a huge positive for me. Is that Moira's back? I love that character. I think that actress is very attractive, and I really liked having her back. Plus, I liked at the end that Xavier gave her her memories back. So there's potential that you know she'll be around in future movies, and maybe there'll even be a thing between her and the professor. So uh, I really liked that, and I, I want to know what you guys think. But also, and she won't uh, age in the next movies either, right? <laughs> nope, nobody ages in this universe. Well, also, you know, with the revelation that, that she had a son with someone else, does that potentially set up Proteus? It definitely yeah. sets it up if they decide to go there. Right. But uh, you know, who, who knows? I, I don't know if that's a major enough storyline for them to storyline for them to want to do it. Yeah, that's uh, a Claremont Byrne story. Yeah. It's possible. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Well, based on the tag scene... It looks like Mr. Sinister is the next place we're going. All right, everybody be honest. Did anybody else lose some serious geek cred with that? Because I did not know what the hell they were referencing with that. You're failing. You are failing! I'm not the world's biggest comic book X-Men fan. You know, I'm the first one to admit that one of the reasons I love these movies so much is that they don't go, you know, religiously with the comic book material because I... I'll agree. Yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. So I didn't see the tag scene. So basically, what you're telling me there was a guy with a diamond on his forehead, and you didn't no. know who he was. There's a briefcase oh, okay. that says X Essex Corporation on it oh, inside okay. of uh, inside okay. of Alkali Lake. And they're, and they're oh, okay. taking Wolverine's blood samples to get his DNA. Oh, because we got to have female Wolverine daughter. Yeah, I'm thinking that's going to lead us to X23 and Mr. Sinister. I don't, I don't care about Mr. Sinister. I know J. David Weeder will be upset. I don't care about Gambit. This like no, no. Yeah, I, my guess was that it had something to do with X-23, because Logan leaned over and asked me, he's like, what's this about? And I, I, that was my guess. I said, I don't know, maybe X-23? That was the only thing I could think of. So well, I, X-23 I, would, is took place in the 2000s. So right. the next movie's in the 90s, which would be more sinister. Well, the next movie to come out is Wolverine 3. Maybe that will play into Wolverine uh, 3. Which uh, is going to be Old Man Logan, which they have to change dramatically from the story, because the story plays with characters that they can't use it. <laughs> nope. I want to go back to Scott's question. Um, I actually, I liked that they brought Moira back because some of my favorite moments were when Charles was awkward around her. When right. When he was kind yeah. of doing his story. I, I actually thought those were kind of good, funny moments when he was kind of like kind of weird around her and didn't know how to act. I didn't know why she went with the team to fight Apocalypse and Cairo at the end. Uh, I mean, she's a trained CIA operative. I mean, she could have had a gun or something, lent, lent some kind of help to the, to the back. I wish she on the plane um, with the And then get, getting class. to the... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she was. Um, and getting to the other point, just going back to the mention of Proteus, the Proteus saga is one of my favorite X-Men stories, but I think a movie version of that is going to look a lot like this because it's just a, a the group of X-Men fighting a mutant that's a lot like Apocalypse and that he just has whatever power he needs. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, I, don't I, I agree with you, Ryan. I, it's that I really enjoyed that story, too, at the time, but I don't know if it translates to the big screen particularly. Not after the movies that we've already seen. 
I, I almost picture him as being not so much Apocalypse in this, but when Magneto was surrounded by that force bubble and making things happen, I almost picture it like that, and they're trying to get through to, to combat him, and he's got his, his reality-warping powers that are keeping everybody away from him. I, I don't know. I, I, I do see where it would just be kind of a little bit more of what we've already seen. Or Dr. Doom in the Rise of the Silver Surfer movie. Yeah, going back to Moira, uh, the whole movie's her damn fault. She didn't close the door. That let the sun in. Yep. Usually uh, that's she, a good thing. This time, not so much. No, she was. I, I felt like she was wasted in this. I The scenes where they were being cutesy-cutesy with each other were great, but other than that, it was like, well... Oh yeah, it's nice he gave her memories back, but alright, hopefully they do something with it. She could have used the scene where she took off her clothes and went into the Hellfire Club again. Yeah, well, if you want to, you know, see a stick figure walking around with an overbite, sure, go ahead. She looks fine in in first class. Yeah, she did. (laughs) Well. Anybody else got any big points in this one? What's that? I said, I'm just wondering, anybody else have any, any major points on this one to make? I had a question for the group. Yeah. Um, Sort of what we were talking about having to do with the kind of the wonkiness of the timeline and whether or not this was really, uh, it didn't really deal with the 80s. It was just kind of they they wore 80s clothes and that was about as much fan service as they put to the decade. Should this movie have come before Days of Future Past? Yeah, that's another thing. I think like on a if we're looking at the trilogy on the sort of structural arc, Days of Future Past was the uh, the dramatic climax. I mean, this one they have to stop the world from ending. But Days of Future Past, the one that came before this, they lost. The world had ended uh, functionally. They had to save it by going back in time. And that one I also felt like was mostly the emotional climax. So I think part of the reason that I felt underwhelmed by this and I felt bored and maybe Chris felt the same way when he was watching it was just like the stakes for this movie ultimately didn't feel that important. And I think it's well, just because this this came out in the wrong order. Well, part of it is because they didn't make the world feel alive either. There's very few scenes where there's like people around that aren't the X-Men. Right. It, when you do that, you make the, the world feel small. Well, the people in this movie who were not X-Men, most of them ended up dead. Magneto's family, Magneto's co-workers. That's another the police. thing. How many? Do I, do you you keep wanting to walk Magneto back into being a villain. It's like, yeah, it's a heartbreaking scene, but geez, how many times are you just going to keep walking him back and making him the bad guy? Well, that's that was his response to it when when he when he was, you know, when his family was killed. It was like how you know. How many times are you, is life going to put me through this crap? Is there anybody else that that scene didn't work for? Because I love that actor. He's one of the things. He's one of the biggest reasons that I was so taken with uh, First Class. And uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed his performances and everything up till now. I think he's been fantastic. But that's the one scene that he's done in these movies so far that, to me, just it just didn't work for me. It just felt hollow and and just it just felt forced somehow well, like I, faults, you know i don't think that they made you i don't think they earned the loving his family right like you didn't you didn't feel what he felt when when they were killed and that's what they needed for you to feel 
you needed to feel like this guy, you know, he loved his family and he was happy and look at what a perfect life he's built for himself and now they took it away. But I, I don't think they really gave you that. You didn't get to that point where you felt it was the perfect life or anything. Even though it was, you know, it was all nice and everything. It just, I don't know. It just, it just didn't hit the notes. To me, it kind of hit that note where he was finally happy and had his own private life away from all the chaos that he may have created. But okay. with, with his daughter, I kind of thought they were going to keep her alive and she was eventually going to turn into Scarlet Witch or something. That would have been cool. I didn't think of that. That would have been cool because yeah. you already have Pietro. And well, obviously they're not going to be twins, but he could they could have been both of his children. Yeah, Pietro's but, got a sister, though. Yes, I was going to point that out. And, well, I should say Peter. Yeah, Peter in Days of Future Past, he has his little sister sitting in his lap. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Scarlet Witch. Well, now, his daughter clearly had mutant powers because she was, you know, commanding the animals. Is she somebody from the comics? Because I thought the only kids that we knew of for sure with him were were Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Polaris. Is there another one I don't know about? No, I think he, that's it. He did have a daughter. Didn't he have a daughter that was killed? Oh, yeah, he had a wife. He right. did have a wife. He had a wife named Magda. And... Yes, I remember yeah. Magda. Yeah. There was a daughter as well? Was she killed so. in yeah, the fire, or was that supposed to be Pietro and Wanda? Were they rescued? No, I don't. I think you're right. Uh, I think their, their history has been wrecked on so many times. I don't even remember. Yeah, because yeah, see, <laughs> I I read the original uh, Burn and Claremont run when it was reprinted in Classic X Men. So it had all those. What's that guy's name? John Bolton, I think. Mm -hmm. Did all those backup features, and I didn't realize reading that the first time that those were. Uh, Addendums, you know that that was new material. I thought it was reprinting the actual issue as it had come out, so it actually spoils a lot of stuff for you. Like it, it blatantly spoils the fact that the Phoenix is not Jean Grey, but I didn't know that reading it for the first time. And I remember one of those backup features, um, and I might have the name wrong. It's something Bolton, I do believe. Michael. Um, it's John Michael. Bolton. <laughs> yeah, Michael. It's John there Bolton. There was a scene where Magneto, yeah, he had a, I want, I'm, I'm almost positive he had a, a, a wife and a little girl, and I want to say that I think the Nazis set their house on fire, something like that, and he lost them. I'd forgotten that. I knew Did they that do the Nazi thing that I think it was back? your typical Lederhosen wearing villages. <laughs> like a Universal Monster movie? Yes. Right? Nice. Well, he does make that one reference in first class where he says he's Frankenstein's monster. So. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, that's that. true. That's a great, great scene. Yes, it is. In yeah, fact, I, to me, I think that was the best scene in any X-Men movie to date. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I will totally, totally go. Well, you know, that that scene, though, <laughs> brings up another thing that I, I continue to miss, both in, uh, in Days of Future Past and again in this one very badly, is uh, one of the things that makes that scene is Henry Jackman's score, and damn, I wish they'd bring that guy back to score these movies. I, I like John Ottman's X-Men scores. Really? Yeah. I like Ottman's theme for the X-Men, but that's about it. I, you know, the 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 score for um, Days of Future Past works just fine when you're watching the movie, but I don't know if you've listened to the album on its own. It's super boring. 
I mean, really boring. And the the standalone album for First Class is anything but boring. It's it's great. So I don't now, know. I didn't pay special attention to the score in this one. Did anybody? Was anybody like listening closely for it? Uh, it's I, I, like there's so many of these movies nowadays that just I, I really wish Hollywood would would wake up from from this slumber of scores that they I mean the last great score in a movie to me was was first Avenger uh, and and everything else is just I mean you know there's a couple little themes that come up the Avengers themes is a good one you can hum it you get stuck in your head you guys use it on Avenger Spotlight to get stuck in my head uh, but you know beyond that it's like nothing pops out and i listen for a good score you know and it just it's not they're just not coming forward so no i didn't other than the x-men theme at the beginning I, that's all i heard yeah i mean yeah. scott uh, you know you you pointed to the scene that scene with uh, magneto in in first class and the intensity of the music in that scene really yeah. really just ramps up the, the scene itself yeah. and and i agree with you that that that's one of the few scenes because i'm not nearly as score conscious as you are but, but I agree with you on that one in particular. I remember even noticing it immediately when I was watching the movie and, and, and being pumped by it. Off the top of my head, I mean, you know, granted, we, we've just watched the film just the one time, but off the top of my head, I can't remember being taken with the score really at any point in the movie beyond the fact that I love that they keep adding the stinger onto the end of the 20th Century Fox fanfare. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. now that they don't have Star Wars anymore, I, I like that this has kind of become the the default thing for still playing, you know, the full version with the extra fanfare and then the X-Men stinger on it as well. That That's neat. I, I get a throw from that every time. But as far as in the movie proper, I, I guess I just have to watch it a few more times to see if I can pick anything out. I have no problem. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like John Ottman. But John Ottman is a weird one for me because it's like, it's either I love it or it's just blah, you know? Because I, I loved, and I'm talking strictly scores here, I loved the Superman Returns score. Uh, but then you take, like, say, Fantastic Four. I think it's a snoozer. You know, beyond the main theme, it, there's nothing in that score that really stands out. So, And we're and, talking about the 90s or the 2000s Fantastic Four, not the recent yeah, one. Yeah, not no. I didn't see that. No, I'm talking. Yeah, the the, the two with uh, with Chris Evans as uh, the Human Torch and all that. Yeah, they were just kind of generic. You know what I mean? They didn't really they didn't really stand out much at all. So, uh, and yeah, I I'm just I'm not enamored with uh, with Days of Future Past. This this album for for this movie I don't have yet, so I haven't had a chance to listen to it on its own and. Uh, judge it again you know well it'll, it'll be playing on the background in the background of this conversation <laughs> it's posted. I, I i won't lie when uh it was nice hearing metallica's four horsemen when uh apocalypse was recruiting but then i'm thinking to myself when did that song actually hit vinyl and get released like was it in 83 right. what part of 83 was it in right. what part of 83 does this movie take place in was angel just out bombing around the clubs in california and getting demo tapes like that's just <laughs> but that's just me but it was nice hearing it. <laughs> well, I know it doesn't have much to do with uh, with our conversation, but I would recommend to uh, to Chris Franklin uh, uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, the the soundtrack to that. That has okay. grown on me. Uh, the more I listen to that, the more I really appreciate it. And it, it doesn't hurt that uh, 
that Danny Elfman worked on it, and Quicksilver's theme is essentially the Flash's theme reworked. So <laughs> I really like oh, nice! I never even caught that. Yeah. I agree with Scott. The um, the like final like the new Avengers theme that plays during the ending credits of Age of Ultron. I love that piece. That might be my favorite piece of music from any of the Marvel movies. I'm gonna always go to the Captain America theme. Yep, I think they're close. Cool. I've tried out. I really like uh, the uh, the holding hands uh, sing along time uh, Guardians of the Galaxy theme at the end of Guardians. Oh yeah, yeah. Guardians is fantastic. Ant Man's very very good too. Yeah. There's a track on there called First Mission that uh, that's that's my new addiction. I listen to that like daily now, so I really like that one. I wanted yeah, to go I back. Could, I could talk scores all day, so you guys yes, we you know. Know, whichever direction you want to here. I want well, to go back briefly to what Ryan had said earlier about um, how Days of Future Past should have been the last one, and it kind of jogged my memory. I don't remember if I said something like this on the Days of Future Past roundtable or I had just thought it in the theater or after I saw the movie, but you're right in that, okay, we've seen the future, so there's really no consequences for certain characters. We know how things turn out, so there's really there's no... It's like, okay, yeah, Apocalypse is coming. Well, we know he's not going to kill everybody because they're still there in the future. Unless we fiddle-fart around and change the future again, there's, there's, no, there's no consequences for certain characters. Nice. It's, it's, there's, there's no, it's like, we know how this turns out, so I don't have the anxiety of like, ooh, what are they going to do? Well, that's like, the Fox and Singer trying to put the toys back in place. Because I... Because it was clearly evident from this one that Jennifer Lawrence has no desire to return. Well, see, I think they should go past Days of Future Past and not fill in all these things in between. Because, like I said, there's no there's no thrill. I mean, there's a thrill of, discuss, of discovery of certain characters. But again, certain characters, we know where they end up. So let's just go past Days of Future Past and do new stories. Or rewrite them for, after, you know, modern times. Well, the problem with that, though, and, and I'll be honest with you, that that's kind of what I was hoping that they were going to do. But the only problem with that, if they do that, then they lose the first class family. You know, they, they lose uh, McAvoy as Charles Xavier. You know, they, they lose young Magneto. They lose Jennifer Lawrence. They lose all these characters. Well, maybe not her because she's supposed to be ageless. But you know what I mean? But honestly, that is kind of, that's what I thought that they were going to do uh, when we got that reveal at the end of Days of Future Past of, hey, the, you know, the gang's back together again. So I thought we were going to go forward from that. And I never consciously thought about it until you said it, but maybe that is part of my problem with, you know, again, I liked the movie. I want to be very clear that I enjoyed myself, but I just felt like there was, there was something missing there was just some vital ingredient there's no consequences for certain characters that was a lot of it and and i agree with you guys you know whoever said it that i'm kind of tired of you know the the world being in jeopardy i think that this movie would have really benefited much much more from the fact of okay you can place the earth in jeopardy but make there be a very personal stake like what was ultimately at stake was the entire X-Men team. Like, if they didn't stop uh, Apocalypse, not only was he going to destroy the world, but he was going to destroy the world using their powers or some, you know, something like that. 
you know, make it personal. And by not making it personal, it was just another, okay, we got to stop the bad guy from doing whatever he's doing well, kind of story. And, it, you know, there wasn't that... But I guess they kind of did that with he was using Professor X's powers. Yeah. I think what Scott means, and if I'm, if I'm getting this right, is something more like, well, Captain America Civil War. The climax yeah. of that movie, the battle wasn't about destroying the world. It wasn't about destroying a literal empire. What did Zemo want? He just wanted to hurt these two guys. Right. And that's what happened. That's what the last the last battle was so small compared to like the last 12 movies that we've seen, but it felt more important than any of those movies. Right. Because of the people. Point. Yeah, yeah. right. So I guess I shouldn't hold out hope for the uh, Juggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy just trying to destroy the uh, the X-Men. Because <laughs> I would love that. Maybe I'll cross after... my fingers for the Morlocks. We got, only, we got one of them. They will, you know, maybe they will make it a more a more personal thing, you know, for the for the future ones, you know, based on how this one goes and the feedback they get and everything. I could totally go for a more... Uh, comic book centric version of the juggernaut because oh yes please when we got before did you guys see the costume that somebody made for juggernaut for uh i think it was, was for it a cosplay what's that was it the cosplay costume yeah it's pretty epic if you haven't seen it uh look it up online it's uh yeah it's pretty amazing because it's i mean it's dead on from the comics it's huge but yeah i could go for that should they just take him into out of space already just, just do it. Just oh, do the God. Star Jammers. He's no. Well, he's no. Well, I mean, you could maybe either take them in the space, and, and 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 this is how you could keep your actor, Scott. Take him in the space, do some Shi'ar technology, de-ageify him. There you go. Or have Cable come in, do a time slip, because in the current comics, I believe possibly still, they brought the, um, the original team to the future their younger selves are in you know intermingling with their older selves but you know tell me that's not going to mess things up but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's all off the rails anyway or hey, or man. or all all the old ones they all die and the they just bring the ones from the past whatever something they get the age of five they can do anything it's a comic book movie that's true just, it makes me wonder what they're going to do with New Mutants and X-Force and, and all this stuff I now. think they may go that route just because this way they have new characters to play with and they don't have to worry so much about the contracts of these people and you know people like Jennifer Lawrence not wanting to be there in the first place. Yeah. They shouldn't even want to wear the makeup, man. And the same with the last movie. <laughs> so disappointing. Stupid Katniss. Stupid <laughs> nun, naked Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> All right, I think we've hit the point where we're gonna get everybody to give their closing arguments, unless anybody has any uh, any other points uh, they they want to cover. I'll just bring since uh, Movieless Bill has a point. Oh, Movieless Bill, I'm I'm just gonna throw out some numbers for the three this trilogy of movies. The, the X Men First Class movie, its worldwide gross was three hundred and fifty three million. Um. Which, yeah, that was, you know, but that was uh, five years ago. So, so X-Men Days of Future Past, past, its worldwide gross was $747 million. Um, which, 
quite the gross. Quite, <laughs> quite, quite <laughs> the increase. Now, so far, um, Apocalypse has grossed 281 million, but it's you know it's only been out for a week, so that's it's. it's but if you look at its, um, uh, its its total versus Days of Future Past, it's kind of lagging behind by about. Uh, the six-day total for Days of Future Past was 124 million, and for X-Men Apocalypse, it's only 90 million. So, it's possible this may not do as good as the last one. So, you know, well, I, I've recently posted where I, that's one of my pet peeves, though, is where people point to the box office. Oh no, no, I'm I'm just signs just, of quality. No, 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 I'm just saying this is just. Just, just facts. I'm not saying it's an attribute to quality. Well, because look at the first one. The first one has, um, you know, to me, I like the first class movie, but it didn't make as much. But I think compared to Days of Future Past, it's a better movie than that. Oh, I and think it's no hands down the best X Men movie. Right, but it didn't make not it even much. close. So, so part so, of the so, box yes. office for First Class though could have been the fact that it was coming after. It came after X-Men The Last Stand, and it came after yep. Origins Wolverine. Neither of those movies were well-received, so nobody had any interest in seeing First Class. It was also the first movie that didn't have Wolverine. I mean, he made that cameo, but they didn't advertise that. Nobody knew anything about it. It was an all-new right. cast, so there was zero expectations for First Class when it came out. Like I said, and I went until three weeks. I only saw it because I was going to the theater anyway to see Green Lantern, and it surprised me. But yeah, and I a think much that's smaller budget. Out. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a sleeper hit. It was very much of the franchise. That was the sleeper hit. Actually, the first class budget is only eighteen million less than the apocalypse budget. What? <laughs> yep. That's all. I'm looking right at the numbers. It says there's 160 million. Uh, Days of Future Past was 200 million, and X Men Apocalypse was 178 million. And you're also looking at domestic gross, right? No, no, no. I'm looking at the budget for the movies right now. But but when you're talking the money it made, you're looking at the domestic gross. As opposed oh, to worldwide. For the six day, yes. For the six day. And, and then, you know, I, I think they tend to uh, exaggerate a little bit in both respects. Sometimes they try to make it sound like they make more money than they do. And sometimes they try to make it sound like they made less. Because you're also dealing with, like I said, worldwide budgets. You're dealing with, uh, you know, home video sales. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that factors in here. And oh, also yeah, the, which, the which... advertising budgets come into play as well. Which so, I'm I'm gonna help them on the back end because I'm gonna buy it when it comes out. So you know they're gonna make God some money for me, me there going to as well. <laughs> yeah, you got to see what you missed. Exactly. Sleepy. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know when this when this is out on home video and it and it's showing up on uh, FX, I can't say I'm gonna flip the channels when I turn to it. And when I see it's on, I'm gonna leave it. And. To me, that's one of the signs of, of a successful movie. I think it has rewatchability. So, once again, I'm going to take us to our final reviews, I think. Because <laughs> we're running a little long anyway. So, uh, uh, I think Logan had a few things still. Did you, did you have more, Logan? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> He's sitting here being very respectful. He doesn't Stop. want to jump in. Just jump in. you more like your dad. <laughs> I learned it from you. <laughs> Go ahead, Logan. You have the stage, buddy. Thank you. Um, there was just one part during the movie 
And I think there were actually a couple parts during the movie where you, Dad, you obviously, or you, you blatantly had a nitpick, like, during the movie, was with Cyclops' beam. Right. Oh, yes! Yes, I'd forgotten about this, yeah. Where, I mean, the first time he uses it, the guy's banging on the door and it knocks the door back just like kind of tears up the ceiling and it doesn't cause any fire because it's not supposed to but then he uses it again later and it does cause a fire yeah correct me if i'm wrong guys but isn't it just a force beam i thought I, i've read before that he that a big deal was made of the fact that it's not heat vision it's not heat vision it's concussive force isn't that right uh, did they, they have shown Havoc's power, though, lighting stuff on fire a little bit. Right. So I guess internally, for the movies, I guess it could light stuff on fire. I mean, I I wonder, is this one of those things that maybe they, they, they go back and forth on? Or, or, you know, is there a definitive explanation one way or the other? Because, I mean, I am not you know, horribly well read on the X-Men. I mean, I, I, you know, I've had my runs and I've, you know, I've read a, a fair bit, but I mean, I'm, I'm no expert on them, but I seem to recall a story. Oh gosh, this goes back maybe 10 or so years, maybe a little bit further. It was just a standalone issue where Cyclops and his dad Corsair from the star jammers were, where they were trying to become close and they go on like a camping trip and Corsair's having trouble getting the fire lighted so he asks Cyclops to light the fire with his heat vision and Cyclops gets all pissed off about it. Is that in the burn where they're camping like uh, out on like with in like where Warren's by his, like his mansion or whatever like out on Arizona or something? Maybe. I, I, I don't remember. I know it wasn't that long ago. I know Cyclops is on the cover, and that's about all I can remember of it. So mm. I don't know. But then, I mean, recently I, I read, you know, one of the classic um, Lee and Kirby issues, and I thought that there was something in there where it did have some heat element to it. So I don't know. I mean, is it... I. I just don't know enough about it to know one way or the other, but I, when that happened in the movie, it, both of us kind of looked at each other like, is that right? I didn't think there was like a like a heat element. Because, I mean, it not only did it destroy the tree, but it sets the tree ablaze, and I just thought that was kind of weird. I don't know. Did that strike anybody else, or are we just being too nitpicky? I didn't even I, notice it. <laughs> I didn't notice it, but nitpicky is what we're about. I would attempt <laughs> to no-prize this and say I don't think it causes any natural heat i don't think it's heat vision it is more of just a concussive force however if it's blasting through a wall and it happens to cut an electrical outlet or a, like a fuse <laughs> or something and it causes a fire in the wall if it's blasting a tree something about the friction causes fire because wood burns that would be the closest thing i could come to a no prize to that but that's it's still flimsy i think it's whatever the filmmakers think looks cool at a given time right that's what i was thinking is that yeah it's not supposed to do that but maybe it's just a well it's, it's the same thing they did in first class when havoc used his power there were flames afterwards right yeah and i think it's i think his his energy is supposed to be virtually identical to Cyclops' energy. That's why they 
cancel each other out I got in the you. comics. It was That's a like... mutant tree. <laughs> <laughs> it was my favorite tree. <laughs> what else did you have, Logan? Just everyone's powers, really. Like, Jean Grey, you know that one part? She's like in whatever you want to call it, the mind thing, mind mansion, I guess. Uh-huh. And, but it comes back to the real world, and she starts walking out of the building. Onto right. Just nothing. Well, that was supposed to be the, the Phoenix power beginning to manifest. Let me ask you, how do you feel about that, about them going down that path again? The singer wants to play with it. <laughs> he didn't get to originally, now he wants to play with it. Yeah, but I mean, doesn't don't we run the risk of eh, been there, done that? Yes. Well, what else is she gonna do <laughs> other than give birth to Cable? Yeah, this is true. This is one of the reasons I I wasn't really that sure that you know did they really want to bring her back? At, you know, if if they're not going to do something with her, but I'm hoping something original. I I, I do like the fact that they do have a a, a troop of younger classic characters now at the end that they can use so I, I mean I am curious to see where they are going to go with it oh that burned my behind too it's like oh they gave him actual costumes at the very end in the danger room with sentinels thanks thanks guys could have had that all movie did, did the ending remind anybody else of the ending of Age of Ultron oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. definitely did we ever get a shot of the classic X-Men because isn't I mean, we have them all with this one, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, you got the, the you didn't have Iceman. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But you had Marvel Girl, you had Cyclops, you had Angel on the other side. Beast. Uh, and you had Beast. So, yeah, if Iceman had been there, that would have been the whole team. Yeah, that's right. What about Jubilee? <laughs> what about her? She was she kind of wasted anything. in this. She's been in six movies and she's never used her powers. Exactly. She's got lame powers anyway, so... She was born 20 years earlier, too, for some unknown reason. Yeah. (laughs) With that same stupid yellow jacket. Oh, I like the yellow jacket. You would. Yeah, she's (laughs) she's always a student, no matter what era they're in. Because she's failing! (laughs) No, no, she's a a graduate student by the time the original continuity rolls around. She's just... Got student loan debt. She just keeps putting it in deferment. She's on the Van Wilder uh, program there. <laughs> Seven years <laughs> for the undergrad degree. Nice. Or the Deadpool need access program. to five graduate students. At least three of them Chinese. <laughs> now I'm thinking of Animal House. Twelve years of college down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So for the 15th time, should I bring it to final arguments, or do we have anything else? I think that's it, Paul. Bring it in. All right. Well, you know what? You keep it. It's you, Chris. Uh, I will end up rewatching it. I do want to see what I missed. Hopefully, I'll get more enjoyment out of it the second time. Uh, yeah, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I have heard rumblings that Singer isn't going to direct the next one, but he's probably going to have a strong producing hand, so who knows. But, uh, you know, bring on more Wolverine. Love that scene. Okay, Chris Franklin. Uh, yeah, I again, I enjoyed this. Uh, you know, I don't know if it'll. I mean, I'll watch it again for sure. I don't know if it'll go into like serious constant rotation. But you know, if it's on, I'm sure we'll buy it. And if it's on TV, 
Uh, I'll definitely, you know, sit down and watch it again. And, you know, I'm just interested to see there's so many different directions they could go in from here. I'm, I'm hearing there's like, what, New Mutants? Is that what the next movie's supposed to be? Is I mean, I I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. At the end of, of Days of Future Past, I kind of thought we might just move forward with the with the the original movie guys again even though some of them were getting kind of long in the tooth but you know they're in an interesting place because you got Deadpool taking place in a a contemporary setting and an old man Wolverine apparently going to take place in the the old man Logan going to take place in the future and this is if they bump it up to the 90s it's obviously going to be in the past so they're going to have like three different timelines going in this X-Men franchise which is probably unprecedented i would say so it's uh who knows what we'll get next but i'm interested to see what they do okay logan i agree with hero i'm kind of ready for another wolverine movie i'm glad they didn't keep him in as a major character in in apocalypse but i i'm ready for another wolverine movie i think all right any final thoughts on this one I still love it. Uh-huh. After hearing everyone's nitpicks and everything, I still love it. I, I, honestly, I think that's that's exactly what you should feel. Nobody, nobody else's opinion should change how you feel. So, you know, th- that's that's cool. Uh, Scott, you're up next. Yeah, I'm with Logan. Screw you guys. I still like this movie. <laughs> just... I, I hate you all. <laughs> no, well, we already knew that. No, um, yeah, I mean... You know, I, I lean more toward liking it than disliking it, but you know, I, my my original opinion is still there. I, I have my problems with it much more than I did with the with the prior two. But at the end of the day, did I enjoy myself? Yes. Uh, am I glad that I went to see it on the big screen? Yes. Uh, would I recommend it to other people? Yeah, I, I definitely would. You know, if you if you dug uh, either of the other two, if you just dig superhero movies that really try hard to to give us uh old you know old school comic book fans what they want then uh i would say yeah you know if you haven't seen it yet give it a whirl because i mean i I ended up enjoying it i had a good time with it so you know just don't 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 expect too much out of it that's all but yeah i liked it all right ryan like i said the movie bored me overall i was i was tired while i was watching it and I didn't feel really anything from a lot of the new characters who are characters that I have loved in the comics. They just didn't resonate with me in the movie. So going forward, I think I would I, I would actually be happy if they kind of tabled the X-Men for a little bit and focused on something new like New Mutants or X-Force. Because while Deadpool was not my preferred style of comedy... I at least liked the energy in that movie a little bit more. So if they can funnel that into a new group of characters and a new cast of actors, try something different, take the franchise in a different direction, that might spark my interest. All right. Uh, Yeah, once again, I agree with everybody. Uh, But when we look at all the nitpicks that we had, the negatives, and, and I think... There are more negatives than positives, but I think the positives outweigh the negatives. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed sitting through it. I enjoyed watching it. I think I will enjoy a rewatch of it. Uh, There were a lot of nitpicks, a lot of things that that bring it down. So I would say, you know, it was good. It was not great. It was good. Uh, 
Uh, it was no Jaws, but it was better than Jaws 2. <laughs> yeah, I like Jaws 2. You yeah. would. <laughs> Sorry. Dr. Bill, what do you think? Bring us uh, home. Well, yeah, um, it was better than Cats. I'll see it again and again. Oh, wait. Sorry. I was watching an old SNL <laughs> episode from the 80s, which is probably where I got that. Uh, like I said, I'll go see it when it comes out on uh, on Blu-ray. I'm saving my money for that. No, nah, I'm not buying uh, a $6 bucket of popcorn. I'll buy some. I got, I got some popcorn at home. Cheap. And you can watch it in your underwear. That's right. Which is yeah. my preferred viewing method. Oh, I still did in my theater. Wait. Wait, watching, watching me in my underwear? Whoa. I thought you were watching it in Bill's underwear. I didn't know what that was. You can get about six of me in Bill's underwear. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. All right, I, I just want to, uh, you know. Maybe two. I, I would just close it out on this, but I want to take a minute to uh, thank everybody for coming on, in particular uh, the two, two non-Two True Freaks guys. And let me get Chris. Where else can we find you? I am on the Supermates podcast but with my wife, Cindy, uh, and the Power Records podcast with Rob Kelly on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. And Ryan? Also on the P- Fire & Water Podcast Network, I'm the host of the Secret Origins podcast, Power of Fishnets, and Give Me Those Star Wars. <laughs> Thank you both and everybody for coming on tonight. Uh, this was fun. Yes, Now, go ahead. Now you guys can argue again. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I I don't know. That's going to see. That's the, you know, this is always the, every two, every two, two months I go into uh, deep, evil hibernation because of work. <laughs>